Hi there. You're listening to F&B Soundbites, a podcast where we cover hot topics, trends and challenges of interest to professionals in the engine room behind the food and beverage industry. I'm your host, Hamish McCook. Today, we're we're doing something a little bit different. I'm joined by uh, Harry Gibson, who's a mechanical and project engineer within Becca. H- Harry recently attended um, the ASEAN Forum, and I think he's got some really interesting um, insights to share from that. So welcome, Harry. Good morning, Hamish. Uh, my pleasure to, to be on with you this morning. Great. Um, Harry, so I'll just I'll give a quick potted bio on, on you, if you don't mind, So, um, and you can add to it um, if, if you need. But uh, Harry, um, I understand you're half Kiwi, half Thai, bilingual, and have lived uh, during your education and formative years in Japan, Indonesia, Thailand, and of course, New Zealand. So, And, and you've been working in our food and beverage um, team both in NZ and in Southeast Asia over the last few years. Um, in fact, you'd be in Jakarta right now uh, were it not for the fact that you got locked out um, and we're in New Zealand. So you're, you're in our Christchurch office at the moment. Okay, Harry, so you, you attended the ASEAN Forum and I'm really interested to know what you've, what you've learned from that. Um, it, the, it's, it's a massive part of the market for the, the whole Asia-Pacific region really revolves around the ASEAN hub. Tell us a bit more about the ASEAN Forum and your involvement in that. Certainly, Hamish. So, yeah, thanks for touching on my background. It's a bit of an interesting one, yeah, having been born and raised in Asia. And I, I didn't actually return to New Zealand until I was at high school age. So um, uh, I went through a bit of an identity crisis at the time. But I guess from that, um, I was born into a, a diplomatic family and, and had a father that worked for the Ministry of, of Foreign Affairs and Trade. And so from a very young age, the dialogue has always been around uh, ASEAN and New Zealand's connection to, to ASEAN, even though I hadn't really been in New Zealand at this point. And now working for, for Becca um, in engineering and professional services. And also, um, I'm a member of the Asia New Zealand Foundation Leadership Network, um, a global professional network, which, which purpose is to develop New Zealanders and, and their competency and, and connection with Asia. So, so with that membership, I had the opportunity to recently attend the ASEAN Forum, uh, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, and this this forum was um, organised by the ASEAN New Zealand Business Council in association with the Southeast Asia Centre for Asia Pacific Excellence. That's quite a mouthful, but effectively, the forum, Hamish, it was a it was a get together of private and public sector. Uh, attendees coming together to, to effectively reflect and discuss some of the current themes, trends, and challenges facing the the ASEAN region, mm-hmm. uh, both from a trade and a political and, and foreign affairs viewpoint. Especially topical at the moment um, around the, the the current COVID nineteen situation and and how that's playing into the um, into the affairs of the region. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much short-term change going on at the moment, isn't there? Okay, so let's move straight into it then. Um, what was one of the key insights or um, uh, topics that was discussed um, in the forum? We had a really interesting presentation from Pak uh, Gita Wirjawan, who is the former Minister of Trade for, for Indonesia and the current chairman of the Ankara Group. Um, he gave a really interesting insight into uh, the current state of affairs in ASEAN. And um, really my biggest takeaway from that was looking beyond the ASEAN region, actually the current uh, polarization and to use his words, the decoupling era that we are, we are currently going into between China and the United States. And actually I had previously appreciated how um, much that's going to play into how um, ASEAN is going to uh, transition into into this new era. 
and um, certainly with that, just the um, just the awareness that that New Zealand, Australia, and countries within the ASEAN community um, are going to have to effectively align themselves with in, in this current um, in this current decoupling era. Oh, is that right? So sort of the big geo- geopolitical picture is changing. And so ASEAN and associated Asia-Pacific countries you know, will need to to understand where they may lay. And so from a food and beverage company perspective, um, I guess that um, that's going to also mean that they have to think about the products, the markets, um, uh, and the risks that might be associated to them from maybe countries taking a position or, or sort of the, un, the, the, the impacts of these things that they really can't um, control? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking at it right through from your, from your supply chain, um, your, your ingredients right through to your manufacturing, yeah. your distribution and your end market as well, there are going to be impacts from this um, from this increased polarization right through right through that supply chain. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Well, that's good. So that's at the high level. Um, so just take us, bring us out of the helicopter and get us back down to something that is is actually happening on the ground. So what are we what are we seeing in terms of changes with perhaps food and beverage consumer behaviours or um, uh, something that people can sort of grab onto that they can potentially see and feel on a daily basis. Certainly. So another presentation that we we had was from Teresa Lowe, who's the program leader for the ASEAN Food and Beverage Alliance, or um, AFBA. Uh, They're effectively a consortium of all the national uh, food and beverage um, associations in Southeast Asia uh, with a a combined focus of of, uh, things like labeling, product nutrition, product registration, Mm -hmm. um, halal certification, and your import and export policy, and, and some really interesting insights out of that presentation one of them is around the the current integrated food supply chain and kind of the immediate impacts that COVID has has had on that. There was a comment that it, it's very highly interdependent, and and we're aware of this at the at the moment. You've got producers, agricultural inputs, uh, transportation, uh, logistics, and and any disruption at at all levels of that supply chain, whether it be availability of workers or trade um, tariffs that are that are suddenly imposed, um, and and even the definition of essential uh, workers. I think in the immediate onset of the uh, pandemic was often limited to, to finished products and didn't include some of the inputs required. It was quite interesting to hear that there was a, a kind of a, an initial shock to the supply chain that has had to have been dealt to as, as, the, as the pandemic has, has gone on. So that's interesting. So you know, definitely very interconnected food and beverage market the tariffs have been dropping off progressively over the years as, as trades increased. So did that actually create um, some ripples that cause concerns for for companies and, and, and nations as well? That's a good question, Hamish. I um, I don't know if there was kind of a, a clear answer to that, but I think just the uh, an awareness of the increasing uncertainty due okay. to the, the initial onset of the pandemic and um, kind of what the next few years might look like. Obviously, yeah. the direct impact to uh, production and, and distribution, but the, um, certainly the indirect impacts um, down the line in terms of um, yeah, what, what the supply chains might look like going forward. Okay, so um, so that, that's played out. Um, so uh, uh, tell us, I think you had some really interesting um, insights into consumer behaviour as well. So um, yeah, give us the, the highlights of, of, some of some of those things that um, uh, were of note. Certainly, there's there's two, I guess, growing trends that are quite interlinked as well, but have been further brought on by um, by the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic. And, and the first one is this this health and wellness 
paradigm shift and and the second being also e-commerce. So with the health and wellness uh, paradigm shift, we're, we're seeing a, a move to what we're calling the more proactive consumer and in, in that they are uh, more conscious of um, the the foods that they're they're, they're eating and, and what they're consuming they're, they're asking questions about their their health and uh, there's also uh, more interest in in product benefits and ingredient functions that that might not have been um, so prevalent in the past and so yeah there's a really strong move in in the ASEAN market towards that 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 health and wellness paradigm shift yeah and I guess that makes sense because health is such an important topic these days and uh, anything that you can do to fortify your immune system or provide extra benefits I guess is of, of value right now isn't it so that's certainly that's, yeah that's cool. yeah the, the, the second part of that as well is around this this e-commerce um, paradigm shift. Uh, the, the estimated global value of food and beverage sold through e-commerce uh, by 2023, the statistic I was given was 254 billion US dollars and quite visible as well as the impact on COVID-19. If you look at uh, JD Fresh uh, in China, it's a Chinese e-commerce uh, giant. They've seen a 215% growth in fresh food orders. And, mm-hmm. and e-commerce was always going to be, I think, kind of the, 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 the next step in food and beverage uh, consumption. But uh, really, the, the COVID-19 pandemic has um, accelerated that, that adoption a lot faster. Mm, that's interesting. So that, that really uh, means that the supply chain food and beverage companies uh, is changing. So the, and, and also the, the uh, organizations that have most influence over what the consumer is going to be buying and what they can access is, is changing as well. So maybe the traditional players um, are sort of ceding power to some of the, the rising powers in, in e-commerce. Yeah, interesting. And you're right. And we, we've seen that globally as well, the um, the rise of e-commerce through necessity and um, people just getting on with it and people being so adaptable and flexible. It's a major change. Certainly, yeah, and and I guess to to add to that as well, I mean, it, it, we we talk about risk and and, and opportunity, but actually, it, it, there's just so much to to kind of cover off in the in this um, health and wellness shift and this and this paradigm shift to e-commerce. I mean, we talk about supply chain, but it's that um, you've got packaged or chilled, frozen, fresh products, etc. All of the, all these different facets that need to be facilitated for, and it's that it's that supply chain um, uh, resilience again um, when when dealing with these products. You, you can go into things like the, the the food quality and the food safety aspect, how that's dealt to in a in an e-commerce environment, and and policies to support that. But also, I mean, going back to the polarization um, point that I first touched on, actually, what platforms that uh, consumers are using to to access and purchase their products from a Western mindset, yeah, it's very easy to to settle and, and and look at big companies like Amazon and some of the some of the other platforms that we look to. But actually, there's a there's a whole other world of e-commerce um, platforms that traditionally aren't um, known to the West and and are, are effectively the driving force in ASEAN and and throughout Asia. So, sort of the, the Weibo, WeChat, is it Baidu? Is that right? Yeah, Baidu, Tencent, JD, um, yeah, all of these kind of Chinese, not even just e-commerce, but kind of um, just internet conglomerates that, that rival the, the, the Western equivalents, um, mm-hmm. Facebook, Amazon. Uh, Google, etc. So um, there's a there's almost a parallel avenue, and in, in, in terms of 
uh, consumer behaviours and mm. and their, their access to um, e-commerce as well as as well as access to information, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Interesting. Okay. Well, look, we've covered quite a few topics today, um, Harry. What are a couple of the key points you just want to leave our listeners with um, as they navigate uh, their their day through their their role in the food and beverage industry? We jump between things a, a wee bit, Hamish, but actually they all. Um, linked together in a way and, and, and it's really just in that awareness and, and that's really the whole point of the, the, the forum that I attended. It's this awareness of um, really what's going on in, in the ASEAN region at the moment, where is where is it going and, and what is there to look out for and I think just a, an awareness that things are, are moving pretty rapidly and, and some of these things were I think inevitable but also many of them have been brought on by the COVID-19 situation. I think the key takeaway for for myself from the from the presentation was really this a strong focus on um, trade going forward it's really easy at the moment to be inward looking in terms of um, the the community of countries that we have um, each country is dealing to a, a similar situation but it, but are at different stages I think of the covid 19 situation and and their recovery from it and then countries are going to deal to it at, at different paces and different levels of success but actually at the end of the day it's it's that community of, of small to medium powers and and the and the strong trade between them that is really going to um, see a lot of these countries through through the other side of, of, of this pandemic and and that was um, yeah, certainly the, the the key takeaway from for me Thanks, Harry. A really far-reaching um, conversation discussion. So there's a lot to think about there. Yeah, thank you very much for for joining um, joining me today, Harry. My my pleasure, Hamish. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. No problems at all. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today as well. So um, I, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, something a little bit different, um, but that's uh, that's what we're about here. Um, so I look forward to bringing you another episode of F and B Sound Bites. Until then, as we say in New Zealand, hi da and farewell. 